0: Welcome to FemTech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barretto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus Podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today we interview Janine Versi, co-founder and chief operating officer of Electra Health. And today we are talking about one of our favorite topics, Menopause. 2 million women enter menopause every year in the U.S. A majority f- face the transition unprepared, unsupported, and undercared for just when they need it the most. Electra Health is on a mission to smash the menopause taboo by empowering women with world class evidence based care, education, and community. They're building a movement to bring high quality hormonal health care into the 21st century along with some of the best investors and innovators in the space. Enjoy. Hey, Janine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It is great to have you. Are you in Brooklyn, right? I am indeed. Is that? Enjoying the last of summer. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I'm in Houston, so we are enduring the last of summer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you open the door it's like you literally are walking into an oven
1: yeah i i know it's um it's actually been really lovely here so it feels like nice respite to be able to get outside and enjoy some greenery
0: yes that's actually a topic we haven't covered on the show yet is like nature therapy if any of you listeners Mm. if you specialize in health and wellness that's based in nature holler send us a DM. (laughs) We want to interview you. Um, Well, Janine, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. You are working on a topic that our listeners are very interested in. But before we get into your company, I want to talk about you. What is your background? Where are you from? What did you study? Where did you work? And how did you end up here?
1: Sure. Um, Well, it's been you know, sort of a non-linear journey, um, which I, you know, always appreciate hearing about others' kind of funky journeys, um, because I started out really um, with a passion for the humanities. I was um, an international relations and history major, um, but I came from a family which is a huge part of the influences that have, you know, shaped what, you know, my passions are. Um, A family of physicians, both of my parents are doctors and I'm one of three girls, um, and so women's health is just sort of always in the ether, always at the dinner table. Um, I'll probably come back to that, but um, originally, we, uh, I was born in the UK. You can't tell, unfortunately, I have lost that accent after, <laughs> um, you know, gosh, like, I won't say how many decades in the US, but um, I, uh, you know, have a special place in my heart for the UK, and I went back to live there. Um, as a professional uh, working at Google years later. But um, northern New Jersey is what I consider home. Um, I grew up in sort of a semi-rural area, not too far from New York City, and um, stayed in the Northeast for undergrad and then actually went to India to do a Fulbright scholarship where I was focused on microfinance and um, helping understand and do research into – Um, women's uh, businesses supported by microfinance, microcredit. It was right around when Muhammad Yunus won the Nobel Prize, um, which was a fantastic experience. And, um, you know, one of the big learnings from that, which I think also was pretty foundational for me, was that when you're thinking about international development and what changes the trajectory of people's lives and lifts um, people out of poverty is it's not just any one thing, um, like access to capital, that like, can be very important. But it's oftentimes that access to capital plus access to healthcare and um, education, and how all of these, you know, foundational um, sort of social um, programs and resources fit together. Yeah. Um, and I think that is part of what got me thinking about healthcare in a different way. Um, I spent a few years at Google. I was um, in California and back in the UK working on um, product marketing. These were kind of the early days of, of Google marketing when YouTube was pretty nascent. And the big uh-huh. question was, is Google ever going to be able to make money on YouTube? I mean, it seems like such <laughs> oh a gosh. funny question. <laughs> um, I worked for the chief marketing officer there, and it was a fantastic kind of moment in, in the internet when... Google did its first Super Bowl ad, and I got to be involved in um, helping to shape and build that team. Whoa,
0: you are so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was
1: was not cool, but I I got very lucky and got exposed to that world pretty early. Fast forward a few years, um, I went to business school, and I was really thinking about healthcare and tech and where the Mm. two come together. And it was especially thinking about um, mental health at that time. And remember having, with one of my classmates, some, you know, interviews with venture capitalists in Boston. Um, I was at, at Harvard Business School and being kind of laughed out of the room, like, mental health, like, there's no money in that, you know, d- no business model. Yeah. Um, God forbid it was women's mental,
0: women's mental health is even more. That's I mean, so niche. Who would pay for that? I don't that? think we would have been
1: in the room, mm-hmm. like, yeah. let alone laughed out of it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, but I was thinking a lot about health and tech at that time, and it was it was 2012. There was a lot of interesting work coming out of, um, you know, the ACA and Obamacare, and um, mm-hmm. I ended up having the opportunity to go and work uh, in the Obama White House, and then stayed on um, as a political appointee in um, the last part of the Obama administration. Do not which tell me you met Obama. Like,
0: Did you meet Obama? Pardon me? Do you know
1: Obama? I, I, I wish. Um, <laughs> no, I. I did get a hug from Michelle Obama once. She hugged every single summer fellow. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. And oh. she's, you know, just incredible, incredible. Um, in a small group, intimate setting in, in front of millions of people on TV. Like she's, and, and with her menopause podcast, it all ties back together.
0: Yes, yes, yes. When I saw that she <laughs> just did an episode on menopause, I was like, oh my God, y'all, if Michelle is talking about it, we are onto yep. it. Like. <laughs> totally. Totally. And little oh.
1: did I know that, you know, I would be sort of referencing this um, down the road. Yeah, but
0: yeah. Anyway. Sorry to do, interrupt do, you. I heard Obama. No, no, no.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fan girl. Totally. Um, Coming out of public service, you know, having had this management role in the government, um, learning to get things done in a, you know, what can be a challenging environment, went back into um, the startup space. With, uh, with an eye to digital health, which had really at this point taken off, you know, mm. that whole 2012 to yeah. 2016 run up was um, pretty incredible in terms of the companies that emerged. And um, I worked with a number of, of digital health startups, um, helping early stage companies sort of shape their strategy and business development, and then joined City Block Health, um, which I'm not sure how much your listeners know about, but it's um, a successful New York-based startup that really focuses on um, individuals who live in poor communities who have complex medical needs and complex social needs, and how those things interact to really drive poor health. Yeah. Um, and and so that was an amazing experience. City Block grew very quickly, and at some point I sort of realized that the thing that I wanted to focus on a lot more. Um, as I was, you know, steeped in the clinical operations of this business in care delivery, um, digital product, in-home, brick-and-mortar clinics, but we weren't really, um, at that point, City Block wasn't focused on women's health specifically, and I felt like there was so much opportunity for new and interesting models um, in women's health, and so I started thinking more about that and exploring the space and there was, you know, these, these companies that were cropping up and doing fantastic work, um, but mostly focused on the reproductive window. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, and I I know that this has been covered in this podcast, so I won't belabor it, but um, it struck me that, you know, there was a lot that happens in women's health and in women's lives outside of the fertility window. And we just don't really talk about it. It's sort of like crickets. Um, It's, you know, and, and that's a shame and, and part of the reason that struck me was because my father is a urogynecologist and so his Whoa. area has always been um overactive bladder, which yep. is as as you know, a major um symptom of menopause. And so, you know, thinking through that, um, and then being introduced to my now co founder through a friend, Alessandra Henderson, um, who is incredible and she had already started ElectroHealth, and so I joined her last summer. Um, She had been at it for, you know, the better part of um, six plus months. And we uh, sort of joined forces to build a company that would help women navigate this journey through menopause. Um, And our mission is to smash the taboo Mm. um, around menopause and to really empower women with access to evidence-based care um, and education and community.
0: Incredible. Why did you pick menopause instead of like um contraception or you know menstrual hygiene what was, what was the draw to menstruation or was it just that you loved women's health and you met Alessandra and said oh you're doing men- <laughs> menopause okay yeah i know it's
1: it's a good question i mean i looked at this the landscape and was really thrilled to see that there were interesting companies cropping up around you know cycle tracking and mm-hmm. contraception and it really felt like there was this huge void mm-hmm. around this huge market. Yeah. So, you know, women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, oftentimes earlier um, if they've gone through surgical menopause mm-hmm. or, um, you know, medically induced menopause. And uh, so little out there, not even in terms of digital health, but even in terms of, you know, what we think of as, like, traditional healthcare, just yeah. sort of resources and Um, expertise that's really hard to access. And so I think that was really, really compelling. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, you know, this is sort of like random, but because of my parents and some of the folks that they had worked with and trained with, there are people in my life who have been in the menopause space. And so kind of getting to consult with experts, one of the founders of the British Menopause Society um, who's like a luminary in the space spoke at my wedding, so
0: you know Whoa. it's just this total coincidence <laughs> yeah. um, that. Did your dad um, you know, talk think, about menopause at dinner? Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, oh. of course, like I remember when my mom was going mm-hmm. through,
1: you know, symptoms, experiencing symptoms of menopause, and even in this like safe space where we talked about vaginal health and menstrual health um all the time it was still like we you know I, I remember and I'm so like I feel terrible now that you know we were like Ugh mom like hot flashes like <laughs> it felt like a joke yeah. um, and it's not yeah. it's not a joke um so I think it you know both personally and in terms of what what we were seeing in the landscape it was just this incredibly compelling space to do something totally new and and to really help women over the course of you know, a long journey.
0: Yeah. So when did you meet Alessandra? We met last
1: summer um, in June. We were introduced through a mutual friend um, and, and, you know, really no preface. It was... Mm -hmm you know, just kind of a, a coffee chat that turned into a many-hour-long hours long conversation and kind of that, you know, kiss met right away. Uh-huh. Um, so it was... Uh, we did a little bit of that founder dating that uh-huh. you, know, you sometimes yeah. hear about. You're like... Um, <laughs> that, that kind of getting to know you and both personally and professionally and how do you like to work and uh-huh. what drives you. And, um, and we, uh, you know, have... A, I think, had been fortunate to to find each other and have this really fantastic partnership that's oh. deeply supportive. And you find out when you're running a startup in a pandemic that, you know, those things really it's matter.
0: Really, really matter. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so what does uh, Electra Health do for women in yeah, menopause? Yeah, absolutely. So um,
1: we offer women access to world-class experts uh, in menopause medicine. So we have fantastic providers um, who uh, provide virtual care, evidence-based virtual care, as well as um, education and resources. And um, we do this through a lot of group programming. Um, Everything is virtual now, Mm -hmm. as well as um, fostering a supportive community. um, Because so much of what we hear about is, you know, I don't know what to expect. Like, am I in it? Somebody said this, I was um, speaking with a woman yesterday who was like, do I get it or am I in it? <laughs> like, do I get, do I get oh, or am yeah. I in Um, And, you know, not having any roadmap or knowing whom to talk to or where to seek out resources. Um, we want to be that, sort of destination and partner Mm -hmm. to a woman on the the long-term or over the long-term in her journey.
0: That's a very common femtech company uh, feature is a community aspect. Even if, you know, what I'm hearing is you you provide like telehealth services. I'm sure we're going to hear more about that, but you didn't need to have a community aspect, but so often successful femtech companies do because we are addressing topics that women literally need basic education on because no one told us you know um mm-hmm. and we live in a society where it's not normal or you know common to talk about these things uh, at starbucks you know just at the counter totally. or whatever so yeah that community aspect i'm i'm so glad that y'all have have included that um how does it how do you know if some a physician specializes in menopause Well, we've been really um,
1: fortunate to work with uh, our founding physician, Dr. Anna Barbieri, who's um, board-certified and also did a fellowship in integrative medicine. So Mm. she really has focused in her practice um, increasingly on women's um, gynecological needs and hormonal health needs in the midlife phase and bringing um, a holistic approach to her care. She's um, certified by the North American Menopause Society, And um, we have a group of fantastic um, medical advisors, including Dr. Lila Noctegal, who was a former president of the North American Menopause Society, which is the you know sort of gold standard for medical research um, in the space. And so those affiliations with NAMS and um, you know really getting referrals from other physicians and providers of you know hey this. this provider is steeped in menopause, and they love working with women. Oftentimes, it's sort of like women in midlife, um, which I, I'm putting in quotes mm. for, the, for the people who can't see <laughs> because it seems like such a, an unfortunate moniker. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we get um, a lot of physicians who are attracted to us because the mission resonates with them in terms of what they see in their practice, and they really mm. would love to be able to do – more for women around counseling and education and access to treatment um, because many women aren't aware that there is actually a great range of solutions out there um and they may not get that from their primary care doc or even their ob-gyn for a whole host of reasons um but we do look for uh to work with providers so if you're out there and you're practicing um menopause medicine and you'd like to you know get involved with a lecture we'd be thrilled to to do something together
0: what are some of the treatments available because i know like the common one is hormone replacement and like that has its own side effects and its own stuff so what what are some treatments and i would also love it if you told us some about the integrative treatments what like what are examples of those
1: yeah, so you know, it we it sort of gets to the way that has um, built its philosophy of care. So we really are focused on um, on integrative care, the whole person rather than you know just sort of one part of the body, one aspect of anatomy, um, because there are estrogen receptors all over the body, and what women experience as they go through the transition is you know everything from dramatic. Changes to the physiology and um, emotionally, and even on a a sort of a spiritual or identity level. Mm. And so, to take care of women in the space of life is to really think about all of those things. Um, We often start with thinking about um, what a woman's goals are, and so treatments have to be sort of tailored to and personalized to. Um, what a woman is experiencing, what phase of the journey she's on, and what really bothers her most. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on what it is, then you can you know address the um, specific interventions mm-hmm. to that. oftentimes starts with lifestyle. So um you know, mm-hmm. like a- as everyone knows, sleep, um, which can be really challenging. it can be, you mm-hmm. know insomnia is is a common sy- uh, symptom of menopause and But, you know, thinking about how do you optimize your sleep, um, how do you get more of it, how do you really pay attention to it, um, and uh, what you eat. So as metabolism changes in this phase of life, often women um, notice that there's, you know, changes in their body around um, weight in their abdomen. And thinking critically about what you eat and perhaps changing that and Mm -hmm. incorporating different types of maybe you're someone who's worked out in a particular way for decades but in this phase of life you might need to actually shift that um, huh. shift the mix to higher intensity or more um uh weight um you know weight bearing exercise because of the way your your body is changing so lifestyle is always a bucket that we start with okay. um and then we think about what supplements um have evidence behind them mm-hmm. some have decent evidence some have um honestly like the evidence is lacking and Mm -hmm. one of the great things about dr barbieri's expertise is um she is able to you know she's on top of all of the latest research in this space and able to um identify what supplements make sense so black cohosh is often mentioned um and and you know a, a whole range of others and then in terms of um, pharmacological treatments, there are hormonal and non-hormonal treatments, and it depends on really what the symptom is. Um, I'll just spend a second on on hormone replacement therapy or hormone therapy. Uh-huh. It's, it comes by several names. You know, I think um, oftentimes it has this poor reputation because of a big study that was done in 2002 and sort of hit the press and was misinterpreted um, in some ways and then has been subsequently um, sort of re-examined by researchers and that work has been you know many studies have been done to follow up and find that for many women most of the time um, if you have severe symptoms of menopause HRT can be beneficial and safe Mm -hmm. Um, and it really depends on the personal history and of course like the personal level of comfort because as with any medication or any supplement um, there can be downsides and so that's where you really get into conversations with providers who know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and have really dug deep into the space um well that's really and then there interesting because yeah,
0: I have never um I guess I when I think to myself well why do why do I have this paradigm that hormone replacement therapy for women in menopause is bad and I'm like I don't know I think I've just heard it so you're saying that there is like yeah. a study in 2002 that potentially said it was bad and then everyone just kind of latched onto it because I'm, I'm sure before I was born in '91, I doubt I talked or learned about menopause before 2002. So, I probably have just grown up in this society that said it was bad. So, tell, can you tell me more about the history of that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so the, you know, basically, um, in in the '90s, HRT was prescribed to uh, a large proportion of menopausal women. So that was, I believe, in the arena of like 40, 45 percent. Mm-hmm. And then there was a study um, done under the Women's Health Initiative, and those results were initially published in 2002. Um, And the those um, findings suggested a higher risk of breast cancer and heart disease and blood clots in association with HRT. And it sort of hit the press right away, um, and kind of overnight. Um, women and their physicians um, stopped prescribing it and stopped taking it. Uh And, you know, there are many nuances around um, the issues with the study. But, you know, in short, um, some of the criticisms were that findings around specific types of HRT were generalized to all women and uh, all hormones. Uh, uh, so uh, sort of painting with that very broad brush. Yeah. Um, and the age of the women in the study um, were on average older and less healthy at a baseline oh. than what some would consider typical users. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were so research has found and, and the Women's Health Initiative um, has subsequently kind of gone back and done new and more research on it, um, and found that it is considered to be the gold standard treatment for the symptoms of menopause. It is safe and effective, um, for menopausal women, um, with significant, um, symptoms if they started within a certain window of time, but the, the fear around it has, um, sort of, uh, really prevented many women and many physicians from considering it or researching it but we do find that women are are very intrigued and want to learn about it um but oftentimes are wanting to you know and I think it's part of this this cultural zeitgeist that we're in focus on natural solutions quote-unquote natural because I think that's sometimes used as a as a marketing (laughs) term
0: yeah GNC, you're like, it's natural, and you're like, actually, you know, less about that vitamin than you do about exactly. that antibiotic, okay? Like- <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, I think you know, you, you raise a really good point, and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot in terms of supplements is that not all supplements are created mm-hmm. equal, mm-hmm. and that some have subjected themselves to pretty rigorous testing, yeah. and there are organizations that do that, you know, third party testing. If you are looking
0: for it, yeah, but how would you know? Yeah, like most CBD products, they uh, did an experiment and they were like 75% of CBD products don't have CBD in it because there's no like regulatory around it yet. And it's (laughs) right, yeah, so right. Um, that's very interesting, you know, as a scientist, as a geneticist, as a person who takes vaccines, um, (laughs) you know, I know the history of one bad study ruining it all and so i have a deep respect and um i'm very open to shifting my paradigm so thank you so much for walking us through that little history lesson there really interesting sure um
1: what is yeah you? look i mean i would oh sorry no, i was go just ahead. gonna add yeah. one thing which is you know i think there's there's great research being done mm-hmm. we definitely need more of it mm-hmm. um but the you know research into the impact of estrogen is is fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of brain health and bone health and heart health. And, what you know, there are signs that um, it does actually decrease the risk of um, bone fractures and cardiovascular disease and um, diabetes and perhaps dementia. So there's really a rich space here to, to be dug into. Yeah. We shouldn't just sort of write off, um, <laughs> you know. Nope. be estrogen and progesterone as we think about women's health in the long term.
0: Definitely. Can you tell us um, more about what are some other integrative or natural solutions? I know you said supplements and then there's like lifestyle. Are you also talking like acupuncture or like is that something you're talking about too?
1: There is is some evidence around acupuncture. We do uh, you know, it, we do recommend it sometimes, although, it, you know, in the, this era of the pandemic, that's oh, been a well, little yeah. bit more yeah. challenging. <laughs> um, yeah. But for some women, you know, they do find it very effective. Mm-hmm. And, I you know, I think the, um, the other thing that we spend a lot of time on is um, sort of mind-body connection, meditation, mm. um, and intentional breathing, especially around hot flashes. Oh, so tell me about the, that. Um, so there, there, there are different types of breathing techniques that have been used successfully for, you know, women who have been in labor, for, um, you know, incredibly high stress situations, and they also have been proven to have an effect um, for women sort of mid hot flash to oh. um, re-regulate breathing and and help to um, reduce their core temperature. Um, so, you know, some of this stuff sounds like, oh, yeah, whatever, but, um, <laughs> you know, it sounds like a little soft, it's not mm-hmm. a pill, yeah. but oftentimes we find, you know, that women are really wanting to take advantage of those types of solutions that they can do themselves at mm-hmm. home, and um, I think, you know, the key that we find is to be really specific and actionable, and you can't just sort of tell people, like, Eat better, sleep better, <laughs> exercise more, breathe more. You know, practice yeah. your breathing, <laughs> be a yeah. better human. Yeah. Um, but to really, you know, kind of what are the things that you think you can commit to? How can we help you get there? How yeah. do we provide you with tools and techniques um, to actually make those changes? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just going uh, to throw this out there. I re- recently followed an Instagram page. Um, it has to do with uh, vaginal steaming and it had a whole article on vaginal steaming being good for menopause. Do you know anything about this? I
1: have to say I don't
0: know what vaginal steaming is. Okay, okay, okay.
1: Uh, It hasn't hasn't crossed my radar. It wasn't
0: at the North American Menopause Society. Oh, See? So, you know, a quick, quick, you know, because I don't want to leave the listener or you hanging. Like, what the hell is it? Um, Essentially, I looked into it. It's essentially like a box that a woman will sit on without any, like, you know lower half undergarments on and it has a hole in the box and inside there's like coals and it steams water and the steam they also put essential oils in it and herbs and so the it's apparently ancient asian you know treatment for anything in the vulva even the anus and they they talk about all this stuff, and at first I was like, "This is garbage!" Like steaming your vagina, like it's not broccoli. Mm-hmm. Like this is garbage. That is
1: my instinct. I have yeah, to right, it.
0: right. But <laughs> I will give them the credit of the things that they said that it was the steaming was good for. I could imagine that relaxing the pelvic muscle through heat and steam and lavender mm-hmm. helping you breathe and relax. Mm-hmm. I can imagine the pelvic floor relaxing and therefore the woman has you know less cramps. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. less, uh, you know, painful sex because she's more relaxed. So that's that's not what they said. They said it was the steam and the herbs that cured it. But Mm -hmm. I think potentially it was just like a relaxing of the muscles, whatever. They also had an article on menopause. If you steam your vagina, please DM us. We want to hear from you. We want (laughs) to know what's up. If you study it, we want to know. So anyways, it's recently been on my mind.
1: Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if you use a heating pad and, and smell the lavender oil, maybe that will also help. I mean, it's a um, quick experiment. Without... We could yeah. run this
0: experiment, y'all. We just need, like, let's get, like, 100 women to participate. 50 of y'all are going to steam it. 50 of y'all are going to be home with your heating <laughs> pad. Anyways, um, so is this, like, integrative medicine stuff part of your 360 care plan, or is that yeah. something else? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, When a woman um, comes to Electra and has a virtual visit with one of our providers, um, she will go through a HIPAA secure process, um, share information in an intake, not only about, you know, medical history, just the same sort of standard questions that one does when they go to a new provider, but also what are her goals, what are her symptoms, um, what does she care most about, what brings her joy. How is she experiencing this Aww, phase of life? How does she think about menopause? Okay. Because all of that matters yeah. to the way in which we'll develop um, a roadmap for her. Because really the goal is, you know, how do you live well mm. through this phase mm-hmm. and into the future? Mm-hmm. So um, helping to sort of set that those intentions up front, um, going into the conversation with the provider. And based on what her goals, needs, and preferences are, Um, the conversation will, um, you know, revolve around what can be done to treat um, what solutions are available and what next steps are. And all of that is captured in what we call our 360 care plan. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, an accessible document that, you know, you have here, here's what we covered, here are the links, here are the resources we talked about, you know, if we discuss supplements, here's what they are. If we talked about, you know, nutrition, here's some specific things. Um, and then, you know, how do we follow up and stay in touch and help you stay accountable to the goals that you've set in that Mm -hmm. conversation? And so that's something that, um, she receives and can utilize going forward. Um, and it's, it's funny because I don't think I've ever gotten something like that in any of the, doctor's visits I've gone to, uh, you know, if you're no. lucky, you get like a, an epic printout, um, from the EMR, but, um, that it's a pretty helpful tool.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I mean, our healthcare system's crazy. Cause I, I had an allergic reaction last year and I went to the ER and they gave me like intravenous Perfect. Benadryl. And then I like woke up from my nap and they were like, okay, you're good. And I was like, what do I do now? Like <laughs> also what happened? Yeah. And like, okay yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of like left all groggy and stuff and I was like uh what do I like what's happening you know and it was like can you please send me home with a little packet you know <laughs> like, totally yeah totally it's and I mean particularly for this topic because there's so much
1: education yeah, involved yeah. and um and we can uh order labs we can prescribe okay. um and so you know, spelling out this is what we've said. These are the instructions. You don't need to sort of worry about taking notes. Mm-hmm. And our care team is available by text. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for follow up anytime. Oh, and so we we I want to that. really be that you know resource, that responsive, accessible partner.
0: Yeah, I the millennial in me really likes the texting part. Um, a lot. Yeah, it turns out everybody likes texting. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I saw on your website that I thought was really interesting was that you have the individual consultations, but then you also have these 21-day group programs. What What's that about?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, you know, had the observation that as so much of our visits are around education, and even back to what you were talking about in terms of community, Electra started in this community-forward way um, with, with salons in the homes of our community members. Mm-hmm. And so this was, you know, in New York um, where we're based, but and pre-COVID, mm-hmm. of course. But bringing experts together with groups of women and um, having them provide education that w- without sort of Candoring or infantilizing, kind of just everything that you stand for in this podcast, really like the science in a clear, direct way, treating women as adults, and so that ethos carries over into what we do virtually around group education and giving women a forum in which to learn and to ask questions and to connect with one another, because oftentimes. That's where, um, you know, the sort of like, oh, I have that or, you know, I've tried this or, oh, I had this experience with my, you know, my OBGYN too, and it was terrible or great. Um, And so that's where the sort of online group programming um, stems from. And what we do in the 21-day programs is create, um, uh, focus on specific areas. So we focused on um, sleep and hot flashes and created really specific Journeys oh. with actionable tips and education um, in a text message forward way. So it's sort of like bite sized and you can do it on your own time. Um, in addition to coming together for a weekly virtual session with a group and with um, what, either a physician or a nurse practitioner um, to dig into, you know, sort of bigger questions and to ask, um, you know, or cover topics live. And we also did some audio snippets. So, sort of, you know, women are so busy in this time of life. Kids, parents, work, all the things, pandemic. Um, So how do you really meet them where they are and on their terms? Um, And so we found that that's a a really effective way to do that.
0: I freaking love it. I do not wish menopause upon me anytime soon, but that sounds awesome. Um, I am a huge (laughs) fan of group anything. Like, exercising on my own rarely happens. I need a girlfriend, you know, like to come with me, Um, even group therapy. You know, I actually hit a a barrier in my own individual one-on-one therapy where, you know, I was working on a trauma and, you know, uh, my therapist was saying something that was based in reality. And I would tell her, I believe you, but like, I don't, I don't believe you. Right. There's something in my head that says Mm -hmm. it's not true. And it took group therapy for me to hear the stories of other women about the certain topic for me to really like, oh, my gosh. All right. It's not just my professional therapist telling me this. This is other women who've lived my experience and all this stuff. Huge, huge supporter of group anything. That's amazing. You know, Um, also, there was a study once. uh, I have to tell this. I haven't told this yet on the show that there's a study of the. Do you know what the hokey pokey is? You know, when you stand. I don't. So there's like. Wait, this, is it a dance? Yeah, yeah. When your kids, <laughs> in, at least in the United States, you stand in a circle and you say, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about, right? Well, it turns out they do some brain studies and turns out that like community dance and, and singing is like tribal and it mm-hmm. like helps uh, release serotonin and all the good stuff in your brain. And so, mm-hmm. um, one time I was, I was actually in, in treatment for, um, for PTSD and they made us freaking do the hokey pokey every day, which sounds insane. And if my insurance company <laughs> knew what they were paying for, they may not have <laughs> supplemented it, but it's true. <laughs> they should
1: pay for it if it works. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, I think we should all have more of that. Yes. And, yes. That's like my um, biggest struggle with the pandemic. Totally. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I, I think that that's you know what we hear about um from women who are in our in our virtual programs is like they have so much going on they have a million webinars but they'll actually make time for this because it feels like self care and yes. it feels like something they're finally doing for themselves yeah. and you know they'll like put on their headphones we you know shut the door on their family and they're like okay this is time to focus on me my health my life connect with other women yeah um, and it's you know, it's fantastic to get to be a part of that um, journey. And, and then also for the women who are going through menopause um, in their 50s or their 60s to also connect with women who are just hitting perimenopause mm-hmm. and are like, what's going on? I don't know. I never talked to my mother about it, or maybe I wasn't able to. Um, and to really, like, have that be part of the group interaction is incredibly powerful
0: it is so powerful to mentor you know it it i feel like a lot of times it gives more benefit to the mentor than the mentee when you're like helping someone through something um so that's that you are providing a gift to the women really (laughs) um well janine this has been so much fun i obviously could talk to you for a really long time but we have two last questions that our listeners really love the first one is that we have a lot of aspiring founders that listen to our show and they want to know what areas in femtech still need innovating. So in your opinion, what do you think still needs to be worked on?
1: Yeah, I mean, all of them, honestly. I think the um, there's so much uh, work to be done to understand how sex and gender differences mm-hmm. um, play into healthcare and wellness um, for women. I think that It's, you know, obviously, like, I'm really biased on what happens to women in their 40s and beyond. Um, I think there's, you know, this is an incredibly rich time of life for women, and we have so much more to understand about, you know, how do we tackle things like dementia um, and and, um, uh, cardiovascular disease that are, you know, leading killers of women. And I think on the R&D side, this has been talked about, but, you know, certainly, um, thinking about prescription medication for women for um, diseases and conditions that disproportionately affect women is is really important and mm-hmm. we also need to think about um, you know new solutions that don't aren't just sort of specific to you know particular anatomy but a phase of life i think yeah. um, is really really important and and i consider perimenopause and menopause prime among them um because you're, you know, sort of opening up a chapter to the next third of your life. And uh, we need lots of of innovation and inspiration in that space. Um, And I am really thrilled to be a part of that
0: journey. Mm I love it. I love it. I love it. And then our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? I think the you know femtech
1: industry is growing quickly, but it's still um, nascent in many ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's become a little bit of a like sexy talking point, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know where where is the action? Yeah. I think my my co-founder has, like puts this really well, where it's sometimes like a pool party, and the first person doesn't want to jump in. Um, but, you know, once you get, and, and, like all things where it's new or different, um, you need someone to, like, have the courage, whether that's as an investor mm-hmm. or as a partner, um, to be willing to experiment. I think it would help if we had more data on, yes. um, you know, specifically fo- focused on um, women experiencing symptoms, what treatments work best for, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain conditions, um, the cost. Certainly, in menopause, there's very little in the U.S. around the um, the economic and healthcare costs of menopause, the burden on society, and the U- uh, the U.K. and Canada are actually much further ahead in this in this way, mm-hmm. um, and that really helps to build the case for why we need investment because. It ultimately reduces um, the risk of uh, poor health later in life. It leads to better quality of health mm-hmm. and um, improves the healthcare system overall. So, having the data and the investment to follow it, I think, are you know two crucial things. But keeping the attention on it is really important. Yeah. Um. You know, just in menopause alone, you know, having Michelle Obama talk about menopause from one of the like. Best and brightest platforms um, we have out there in society is great, and I, you know, I just want to, I'll, I'll quote one thing from it because I would love for everyone to listen. Yeah. She said, um, you know, it's an important thing to take up space in our society. Fifty percent of us will go through this, and we're living like it's not happening. And I think that's just a, you know, fantastic way of saying like we have got to keep the attention and the conversation on the space.
0: Michelle, if you're listening. Please be my friend and please be on the show. Really. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Well, Janine, thank you so much for your time today. You are doing really important work, and uh, we at Femtech Focus cannot wait to see what happens next for you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to my interview with Janine Versi, co-founder and chief operating officer of Electra Health. I hope you enjoyed our conversation around smashing the taboo of menopause, treatments for menopause, and the research that needs to be done in bone health, brain health, and heart health. If you are a researcher working in these topics, we would love to hear from you. We have some exciting upcoming events this week, including a podcast listening party tomorrow evening, so Tuesday night. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We also have our graduates of the Guild Academy Femtech Edition Cohort having their showcase on this Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Come and hear eight badass Femtech founders give two-minute pitches around their early stage women's health startup and then network with the founders and attendees, including investors, afterwards. You can register for both of these events, the podcast listening party and the showcase, via our website, femtechfocus.org. Alrighty Fem fans, if you love our content, then please consider donating to FemTech Focus, which is a nonprofit. And your contributions go directly to helping us elevate the FemTech Tech industry. You can also support the show by sharing it with a friend, subscribing, and leaving a review. To stay up to date on Femtech news and events, subscribe to our newsletter and join our virtual community at FemtechFocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health.